I would. Let's go to John chapter 4. Let me just read and go to verse 36. Just read one verse there. Appreciate it, guys. You know, it's really amazing as all of these these words and prophecy comes forth in this message. I do know that, um, you know, Anna Claire is sick today, and uh, so they're at home. And then Jared texts me that Gabe made a statement that he came to him. And, uh, I, you know, me and Gabe, we don't talk about my message that I'm going to be ready for Shabbat. And then out of the mouth of babes, he speaks, and he told his dad, he says, you know, he says, if I bear good fruit, Yahweh will pick me. But if I don't bear good fruit, he won't pick me. And I said, and I said, you know, what's amazing is, is that's what we're talking about because this is our theme for Sukkot. Now, if I say revive, forgive me, because I have been crossing revive and Sukkot all week long. So it is for Sukkot. And this is our theme. The fruit of the Spirit grows where? In the garden of obedience. And we're talking about that soil. That's one thing you had talked about when he come up, the sower of the seed. And we get down to that good soil. And what is that good soil? That good soil is obedience. That good soil is his Torah walking these things out and being led by his spirit. That's the good soil. And then Mark was mentioning it to me that, you know, here, whether it's in here, whether it's in these Torah classes, whether it's in Wednesday night classes, Wednesday classes, guys, we we have really had our due diligence of teaching his word. There's no reason that there's not good soil. You know, that's right. You know, and so and so if something's going on in our life where we're not bearing it, then we definitely need to look at ourselves. Because over all of these years from when we started, at the very beginning we had some rocky soil. We had some soil that was not as well as it is today. But it was because we were learning. We were having to get out things that religion, we were having to get out things that we brought in out of Babylon when we came out of her. But now that we're purging that ground and we're getting you know, better and better at what we're doing, we're learning. Even growing in the natural, you know, about tilling ground versus having the wood chips and having certain things. Looking at nature, looking at the forest. How does the father water his forest? Look at the, you go out there today and you pull back the, um, the, uh, the, all of the grass and the, everything and the compost is falling from the forest. The ground is always wet there. And what do we do? We usually till it and throw it into the sun and then let the sun bake it out. And then we wonder what in the world we pray for rain. <clears throat> but the thing about it is, is, you know, Yahweh knows what he's doing. And he knows better than we know. So it's just really awesome that when we're talking about this right here, this garden of obedience, you know, this is the fruit of the Spirit comes from this. The testimony from what Jeremiah was saying, not knowing the, the word, you know, the tongue and interpretation, not knowing what we were going to be talking about today. So guys, with that much going on, Without the left knowing what the right's doing, we need to pay attention. It is a lot of confirmation of what the Father is wanting to do for us today. So with that, let's just jump in there, and we're going to read John 
436. This happens to be uh, when the Samaritan woman, this is the story here, when Yeshua is there and he's talking with the woman and they're going back and forth. But he makes a statement. He says, already the one who reaps is receiving wages. Already receiving wages. And gathering fruit for eternal life. This is one thing, you know, um, I mentioned to a good friend of mine. I won't uh, name his, uh, his name, but his initials is Herman. And, uh, but anyway, we went over there. We'd done some work for him and Kathy. And one thing he wanted to do, he wanted to give us a little something. I said, no, don't give us anything. Because what you give us, we spend, it's done. But pray and thank the Father that we were able to come help when you're down and we're able to come help because those blessings are eternal. And guess what? Eternal, they sort of don't run out. And it's storing up for eternal life. It's storing up these blessings because that's what the Father says. If you get rewarded down here, you have it. But I don't want these rewards down here no more and I can't because they will rust. They will go away. They're in my closet. You know, and I'm not using them no more, and I can't find them. They've been in there so long because I put other stuff on top of it. What we need is, is we need the blessings that are eternal. And he's talking about eternal life, and these are the things, and he's talking about receiving wages. He's talking about gathering fruit for eternal life so that the reaper, I mean the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. Amen? Because it says some sow, some reach. But during this prophetic time, this is the end of days. This is what he's talking about here. This is the Sukkot that we're looking for. We're looking for that end of days, the Sukkot. We're looking for that trumpet to blow on the feast of the blowing of trumpets. We're looking for the Yom Kippur. We're looking for that last to where finally the, the sowers and the reapers are all receiving their rewards and growing and having the season of their joy. And that's what this is about. And so we're wanting to be mindful since this year our theme is the fruit of the Spirit grows in the garden of obedience. Guys, you know, uh, we've talked a lot about this over the period of time. Uh, I, I know that we went through before we got into the gifts of the Spirit, we had to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Because I will say again, if you're not operating in the fruit of the Spirit, you have no business operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Because it ain't negativity. We have, if, if we got conflict and we got all of this strife, we got all of this negativity, we have sin in our life, how in the world do we expect the Father to use us in the power gifts? If we can't be used in the cerebral gifts of the Spirit, how we're to treat one another. And this is why the sowers and the reapers here will rejoice together. So this right here, this is a prophetic about bringing the nations in with Israel in the end time. Let's go to Proverbs 11.30. I have these up on the board. I'll try to go in order. Because I just wanted to hit a couple of single scriptures before we take off in, in John 15. In Proverbs 11.30 it says, The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life. Now I'm going to stop right there. Okay? The righteous, those who, the righteous is the tree of life. Think about this. Who is the righteous? Those who keep the Torah and have the testimony of Yeshua. That's who the righteous, that's who the saints are. Those who keep Torah and have the testimony of life of Yeshua. And it says what? That you and me are a tree of life. To who? To those who don't know yet. 
We're to be a witness. This is, this is that fruit that we've been talking about. You know, I made a statement not knowing what y'all had talked about. I'd made a statement to somebody a couple of weeks ago. I said, do you know everybody has a dad? Okay, that's how we get here. Everybody has a dad and everybody has a mom. I said, you know, if every dad and every mom put all of their energy into growing righteous seed, do you know they would be no lost in this world? If just, if just we took care of what he gave us, if we just took care of the children that he gave us, if we would have been in a place in our life to where we would have been righteous enough to know and been a believer, <clears throat> that's why I'm excited about our young people. But think about that statement. I mean, that's just too simple. He put Adam and he put Eve. He put a land and he gave him a house. And he says what? Be fruitful and multiply. But be what? Fruitful and multiply. Don't multiply being unfruitful. Be <laughs> fruitful and multiply. You take care of this. You take care of your seed. You take care of this. And you know what? If everybody in our life, it's just too simple. If every father would have just took care of it, if we would have known just to take care of ours, instead of bought into the system to where we're trying to set up for retirement, we're trying to set up like you were talking about, setting up for inheritances for people just wishing that you go ahead and die so I could get my money or whatever happened so I can go spend it on what I want to spend. It's everything. When we were growing up, that's what my dad and I know your dad, they talked about land was everything. Dan was prosperity. But how sad is it when that man died, all the kids would do what? Sell the land. It, was, it didn't mean anything to them like it did. And they tried to instill that as well, but not if something. Because land is very important. Land is wealth. But not if you don't want to be a part of the land. Because most children and most people, they don't stay with the family anymore. They all move off and there's just no connection anymore with family. So the father is trying to, I believe, in this day and this time, he's trying to restore what the canker worm has totally eaten up. What the caterpillar has eaten up on our caterpillar trees. You know what I'm saying? He's trying to restore if we would just pay a tax. But you know what? It starts with the fathers and the mothers. It's where it has to start from. It has to start with you. It has to start. Because you know what? I can only affect a little bit of people. But if everybody could affect their seed in the right way, we wouldn't have problems. We would have, we would have a Torah community. I'm saying it. You know, I, was, I didn't do this. I was supposed to do this today. Um, I was supposed to set up a couple of mirrors up here in front of Tammy because a lot of people like to see what her expressions are. And because uh, they like to, they want to know what I'm seeing. So anyway, it was so funny. We mentioned it last week because they said that was just especially when I had to do that edit. So anyway, I forgot to do that. And so maybe next week we'll get a row of mirrors. So they just really want to see how you're responding to what I'm saying. That's right. Amen. I said, get my glasses back on. Okay, so here we do. We're saying here, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. This is what we're to be to people. And it says, whoever captures souls is what? Is wise. So this is what we are to be producing. We are to produce fruit. Like Brad Scott so graciously said, 
In the fruit is the seed. In the seed this is the deal. And this is how we are to bear. We are to sow our fruit. And this is the deal. If the garden of obedience, this is the ground that we're growing in. If we're not growing in, if we're disobedient, I'm telling you, your fruit is rotten. And nobody wants rotten fruit. I know I don't. Not in real life. Okay, so let's go to John 15. In verse 1, you know me, I try, to, I try to do the best I can not to use a hundred different scriptures, even though I always have a bunch up here, but I like to run a trail with a, so I'm not bouncing from one scripture to the next and everybody's trying to do Bible drills. Amen? But I, I just wanted to say this here too, and I wrote this down this morning. It just hit me. When I put up here, the fruit of the Spirit grows in the garden of obedience. But I also put up as well, not doing our own thing and calling it God. A lot of times, this is what we do. We don't do what the Torah says. We, we feel like we have a better way of doing things. And what we do is, is we create. We talked about this last week. We, we create this. Remember what we said? It says, Yahweh designs and builds the house, and we are to do what? Guard and keep. What we have done as churchianity as a whole, what we've done is, is we don't like what he designed and built. So we're now in the business of designing and building. And this is why I said this, not doing our, not doing our own thing and wanting him to approve it and say, yeah, I like your idea better than mine. Guys, that'll never work. Okay, this is why the fruit has to come from the garden of obedience. Okay, so let's go. It says this. We'll just use this parable. Now, I thought this is interesting because in John 15, this conversation is a continuation of the Last Supper. A lot of times when we just jump into 15, we just think he's starting off somewhere new. This happens to be during Passover season. This happens to be when they were in that room and they were breaking bread. He was washing their feet. This is a continuation of their conversation that night. And so guess what? It has to start at Pesach. When it starts with the blood, it, it brings us out of Egypt. And then we are set free. And the wages of sin is death. And we have a, have, have a sacrifice. If we're ever going to get to the place of Sukkot, this has to happen first. But yet he's telling us something here in 15 as he just continues his story. And he tells him this. He says, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. So guess what? Who's in charge? Our heavenly father's in charge because he's the vine dresser. And he asked Yeshua, he said, I want you to be the vine. And then in you, all the people are going to come out of. This is what he's, he's telling them. And he says, every branch in me that does not bear good fruit, who takes it away? He does. The vine dresser. We are the branches. Now, I want you to, this is something that I want to do a little bit of different tweaking with. Guys, pruning hurts. But here's the thing, there is a pruning that is for producing 
more fruit. And then there's a pruning of getting away the dead that's not productive, which is really the whole branch. Okay, there's two types of pruning here. But here he's saying this. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. Not Satan. And I know I'll probably hear something about that from the live stream or maybe from the, the as we go out on the air. Because every, I'm just, guys, we got to understand, Satan only does what Yahweh tells him to do. Satan is not omniscient. He is not all-powerful. If you want to say it, he's on a leash. I mean, we ought to know that by the story of Job whenever he said, have you considered my servant Job? And he says, well, yeah, I have, but you you got to hedge your protection around him. Nobody can touch him. And then you see this dialogue. So you ought to know that Satan is not all-powerful. So we see here that our Heavenly Father is in control here. He is in control of everything. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. None of us like to be pruned. But pruning is for a reason. The reason is, is when we go through these seasons, and I have seen this in my life, I've been here long enough now to know that I'm not just telling you by reading the scriptures, I'm telling you because I've experienced this. Every time when we come out of, whenever we come out of Passover, there's a pruning. Whenever we come out of Shavuot, I mean, uh, Yeshavuot, there's a pruning. And then when we come out of Sukkot, there's a pruning. Guys, we had an awesome Sukkot last year. But we can't live on yesterday's manna. We have a new season of our joy that we're entering into. We can't live off of what happened last year. What happened last year, that area has now been pruned. And guess what? We should be having more fruit this year. We should have a more awesome Sukkot this year than we had last year. This is what we're looking for. This is the promise that he has. But if we have goofed in this, this, this season, in other words, if we've been disobedient in our lives, guess what? You can't, you can't expect your fruit to be more prosperous and more bountiful than it was last year. Because every year as we go through this garden of obedience, every year then he prunes, and we put on more leaves, we put on more fruit, we're able to grow. You have, go ahead. Amen. Oh, that's right. When we repent, that's why these seasons, when we're coming up to a little, gives us a chance to repent. Okay, so that's what he's saying. That every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And this, guys, is the reason for the pruning. So you have to embrace the pruning. The pruning is for a reason. Verse 3. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Now here's what he's saying here. Now listen to this. You can hear this word abide a lot of times. I don't, this, I'm reading out of the ESV. Okay, so I don't know what word yours may say if it says abide, but that's what mine is saying. Okay, he says abide in me. This is what I wrote down in my little notes. Stay connected. Abide in me means stay connected in him. Stay connected by obedience. This is how we stay connected. Okay, this is why this, this theme is, is here. Obedience is the only way that we can stay connected. So when he says abide in me, this is what I want you to get this. 
Stay connected. I want this to stay connected by obedience. Stay connected. Stay connected. This is important, important because guess what? Disobedience causes us to be cut off. And this is why I just want to grab these little taglines and just help us as we understand. Look, guys, 99% of our problems is us making wrong choices and making bad choices. Ain't you always fault, you know? Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by what? Itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now let's go to, I didn't write this up here, but let's go to the book of Revelation chapter 3. We talked about this church, this church of Sardis. I just want to bring it back to our remembrance. Like I said, this hit me this morning, so I wrote it down. All right, the congregation at Sardis, chapter uh, 3, verse 1, it says, And to the angel, to the congregation in Sardis, write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of Elohim and the seven stars. I know your works. Guys, it's the same thing as I know your fruit. There's no difference in the two. I know your fruit. I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive. You have a reputation of having good fruit. You have a reputation, but your fruit is not genuine, in other words. You get it at Hobby Lobby, and it looks as plastic. In other words, it looks good, but it's not real. He says, you have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. And strengthen what remains. Look, this is love. He could have just cut them all the way off. But he's saying, look, I'm gonna, I will prune the dead out of there. But you need to wake up. We need to wake up and strengthen what remains. Because here's the thing. Yahweh is so awesome. Look at our bodies. I, I'm not a doctor. You know, Casey's a doctor. Your liver. The liver is amazing because the liver... It gets rid of all of the garbage, all the Diet Cokes and all the garbage. No, it just, go ahead. It's called the servant organ. The liver's called the servant organ. How It gets rid of all of the great things that we put in there that really don't belong there. And we work that dude a lot. But yet, but when we're trying to kill it, it's trying to save us, right? And, it's, and even when it's damaged, it has the ability to heal itself. Yahweh's smarter than we are because he knows that we're going to put things in our body physically that doesn't belong there because things taste good. Doctor told my brother one time when he put him on a diet, he said, what am I supposed to eat? He says, if it tastes good, spit it out. And he says, because usually that's where you start. And that clears out a lot of the stuff in our life because that's what he, he was diabetic. You know, and he was saying, what can I do? He said, taste good, spit it out. We'll start there. And then, but you know what? That usually is what happens. Because guess what in our lives, Brother Herman? They tell us to remove this beautiful little white crystals that go on our, it's called salt. Don't they? They say, get rid of some salt. I just say that because I know my brother likes salt. Yeah, and little white crystals and sugar. Get rid of that too. Because sometimes we have to, some people don't even taste their food yet. They just put salt on it. Because why? 
they want salt. They don't want the food. The food is just there to help the salt go down. That's really what that is. So the food is the salt. I mean, it has to be because if we're going to salt it before we taste it, then we like salt. It's about the salt. But that's okay. I'm just saying, but it's not okay if your blood pressure's through. I mean, first the natural. So what am I saying? What I'm saying here is, is first the spiritual. I mean, first the natural, then the spiritual. This is why the Father does this, because He's smarter than we are. Because within our own physical body, we usually do things that's not good for it, but yet we want to do what we want to do, and we want Him to be okay with it. But it's not that way, and it doesn't operate definitely that way in the Spirit. So, He's telling us that we cannot, in, in this church here, in Sardis, he says, wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works or your fruit complete in my sight or in the sight of my Elohim. Remember then what you received and heard. What is the receiving and the hearing? His Torah and the testimony of Yeshua. Remember the things that you have received and you have heard. Keep it. And do what? Repent. Keep it and repent. So guys, repentance is a key to these feasts that we walk into. Passover, it's a key. Repentance. As we enter into, this is why Elul comes up, introspection, it's a key. Because guess what? We have done things that's not pleasing to Him. Even though we think we might have, there's areas in our life that we haven't. But yet, he every six months, He seems to know that he doesn't need us to go at least a year or we're going to all really be goofed up. But every seven days, Shabbat, he brings us in because this is a mini Sukkot. Every Shabbat is a mini Sukkot. Helps us get prepared for that day, the last day. But even here, he's talking to this congregation here and he's saying, I know your works, you're going on, but I'm telling you that you're dead. You're doing your own thing and calling it God. This is not acceptable. You're not in the garden. You're not in the garden. You're in some other garden that Satan has, has deceived you with. So then there's a wake up. Then there's a, and then verse 3, okay, the rest of verse 3, it says, and if you will not wake up, what do we usually talk about the ten virgins? They all slumbered and slept. This sort of all ties together. This seems to be in the season that he's going to return. He's telling us over and over again, we're going to be asleep. That's what he's warning us. He's telling us to wake up. And he says, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour that I will come against you. Yet, you have still a few names in Sardis, people, there's a remnant there, who have not soiled their what? Their garments. They've not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. You know, we were talking about, remember Wednesday night? Remember our little, uh, we were talking about the wedding garments? And remember there was a guy who was in there, and what did it say? You guys, I know we had a little Wednesday night. We went over one of the parables. They went out there. He called his, he called his people. They wouldn't come. He said, go out in the highways and byways and call them for the wedding. My son's got a wedding feast, and he had all of this. And then all of a sudden, there was somebody in there that was not dressed properly. He didn't have his garments on. He didn't have the right garment on. And the father turned around, the vine dresser turns around and says, how did you get in here? And he said he was silent. 
guys, when you're standing before the king, you're not going to be mouthing off your, your ways, the way you think things. You're going to be silent. When Yeshua walks through that door, if he walks through that door, I guarantee you, you're going to hear a pin drop. Because you think you're going to be able to say something. You think, no, absolutely not. Probably all the things that you've not repented of, between the time he gets in that door, you're going to be doing some steadily roll calling of things to make sure because you know <coughs> that's exactly right. But there are people who have not soiled their garments. And in verse 5 it says, The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot out his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the congregation. And this is prophetic, and this is what's going on now. This is why we're in this garden of obedience. But God, a theme, the fruit of the Spirit grows in the garden of obedience. But guys, there are times in our life that we may think that things are going good. And they're not going good. We may feel like we're alive, but maybe we're not. This is what this time and season is for in our lives. To make sure that when we get to Sukkot, all of this junk, if there's something junk, let enter in or whatever, we can get rid of. Amen? Okay, let's go back to John. I'm just going to pick up in verse 5. It says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Here again, whoever stays connected, whoever abides in me and I am in him, it is he who bears much fruit and apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and it withers and the branches are gathered and are thrown in the fire and they're burned. There's another term called the same as, uh, what, uh, what is it called? The weeping and gnashing of teeth. You'll hear this a lot of times. These are the same uh, parallels of what happens in the end. Me and my words abiding uh, a burning up in the end. Verse 7, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And I, had, and I put this in here. Because you just can't ask whatever you wish. Because sometimes it has to be within his will. Okay? So if it lines up with his will for our lives, we can ask that. This is a promise. We can ask it, and it will be done. Verse 8. But by this my Father is glorified. Because this is what the whole thing is about. is about producing fruit that we would glorify our Father which is in heaven. This is the whole idea of what we're doing. It says that you bear much fruit, and so approved to be my disciples. This is why when we talked about in Matthew 5, 16, it says that we're to let our light shine before others. And it says, and when they see our good works or our fruits, what are they going to do? They're going to give glory to Yahweh, which is in heaven. And this is really what our life is about. This is why whenever he got ready to lay his life down, he said, this is what you're going to do. If the people are naked, you're going to clothe them. If they're poor, you're going you're gonna to fix them up. If they're hungry, you're going to feed them. And, and, on and if they're in prison, you're going to visit them. These are the things that we're to do while we're on this earth is, is to produce this fruit. By doing that, what are you doing? You're giving the seed to them of Yeshua. That's what he's telling us. Or what verse? Verse 9? Abide in me. All right, it says, As the Father so loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Now, guys, verse 10. It's a killer. 
Because the church world as a whole believe that Yahweh has a set of commandments and Jesus has a set of commandments. There's two tablets. Yahweh has one and Jesus has one. <laughs> that is not the case. Okay? There's two tablets, but both Yahweh has. Okay? This is what he says. There's this little word again, if. Very powerful word. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abided in His love. Real simple. Yeshua kept whose commandments? Yahweh's commandments. And then He's telling us whose commandments are we to keep? Yahweh's commandments. Because He kept them, we are to keep them. There's not two sets of commandments here where Yeshua had a set of commandments and Yahweh has a set of commandments about this verse. That we're the world, and I've had multiple conversations in my life about this verse. That we're to keep, if you keep my commandments, they're saying, see, Yeshua has some commandments. But I was saying, guys, he says, yeah, he says, if you keep my commandments, but he's telling you, because I kept my Father's commandments. They're the same commandments. But there again, you're only going to read part of a scripture and you take off with it. And you build what? You do your own thing and you're calling it God. And it says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be. I'm not going to pick up. I'll pick up in Galatians chapter 5 next week. Because I don't want to rush through this right here. Because in Galatians chapter 5, we have the works of the flesh and we have the fruit of the Spirit. I don't want to push through that. Because there again, this season, as we're getting ready to go into a lull, the works of the flesh, there's a list there. And there's a long list there. And the reason why this list, why it's there, is for us to take inventory. To make sure that we're not doing the list or we're not doing even one thing in the list. And if we're doing anything of the, of the works of the flesh, then what we're to do is, is we're to repent and we're to fix that. Amen? I just thought this was interesting. I will say this one. Um, I don't know what your scriptures will say, but I do want to read one verse. And I want to do it. How many uh, has ever heard of Mardi Gras? Has anybody in here ever heard of Mardi Gras? Anybody? Yeah, Roy, you've heard of it? Okay. Most everybody in here has heard of Mardi Gras. I thought this was funny. Funny, ironic. It shows you that it has a history that is very long. Okay, in verse... Or, Go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 21. I got to read this one. Galatians chapter 5, 21. Drunkenness. In the ESV, it says this. Envy, drunkenness, and orgies. Now, I threw the word orgies out there because the ESV says that. The NAS doesn't say orgies. What does it say? Carousing, carousing. And things like these. Listen to this. 
Because, see, once I saw that, naturally, I missed it. I had to look this up. I said, I don't know. The Father just told me to look it up because I had the wrong concept. Okay? So what happens is it's carousing. I said, carousing? So now this got me digging. But look, this word is komash. It's the Greek word komash. Orgies are carousing. Listen to what it is. A nocturnal. Y'all know what nocturnal is? If you deer hunt, if you deer hunt, you know what nocturnal is. All the bucks, they stay, they only come out at nighttime. And that causes headlighting and then there's sin and all these things that happen. Sorry, rascals. I think they got a calendar. If I find their calendar, we're going to get rid of their calendar. Nocturnal is at nighttime. You come out at night. So carousing here, this definition for this word means this is what was going on. This is just one word of all of the list. It says a nocturnal riotous possession of half-drunken, frolicsome fellows, Bacchus. Anybody ever heard of Bacchus? He's got Go ahead, Biloxi. Raise that hand. He's got a float in his honor. I said, Bacchus, that ain't no way that Bacchus went way back. Because you know what? Bacchus is a one of the gods back in the day. Yeah. Listen now. Half drunkenness. I don't know where this half. Most people I've seen pretty much been fully drunken. I don't know where this half-drunkenness is. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how they get no half-drunkenness out of that. You ever been to Mardi Gras? I ain't seen too many half-drunk people. Most people fully drunk, laying out on the street, stepping over people. At night, after supper, you can't do nothing. Gotta, now they're doing the praise in the daytime. But Bacchus, they got him after supper. Okay? And it says, or some other deity. What, what are they doing? And they play before houses of male and female friends. Hence, what, what do they do? You go down the street, throw me something. They're all lined up, throw me something. You know, and they're playing their music. They're going through here. Hence, used generally of a feast or drinking parties that are protracted till late at night and indulge in revelry. So Bacchus is the Roman god of a grape harvest. Agricultural wine and fertility, and it comes from the Greek god Dionysus. He was the one that the Greeks had first. And so I guess the Romans couldn't be outdone, so they had to have one, and they called him Bacchus. And I was like, you can't make this stuff up. Right there in the scriptures, when I read that, and I would have never realized that if I would have said, this is a crazy word. And when I looked it up, because I did see the word, because I went to another translation, and it said carousing. I said, well, the word I know ain't carousing. Not that word. You know what I'm saying? Keeping it G-rated. So anyway, so I've just, how, how awesome is it is to know that there's, new, there's, new, there's nothing new under the sun? Solomon knew what he was talking about. Even all of these gods and what they do, they reinvent it. And then, like you say, now they have a float after him and they honor him. And they're doing what? Exactly the same thing in a parade that they did back then over 2,000 years ago. You think this thing's only just a few years old? No, this thing goes way back. The partying and all that. Just sort of threw that out there. 
is a little side trip. Okay? We have to do way and not be going to see Bacchus. Amen? Oh, that's right. Then that's right. You have Fat Tuesday and Skinny Wednesday. And then you go get your, and then that takes care of all of that. But that is what we're doing. What we're doing is that's mixture. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a good thing. It's mixture. Is you're, you're taking the, the world's religions and you're trying to mix it with Yahweh's religions. And they've done that. That's what got them thrown out of the land of Egypt. Is when you had, uh, you had Solomon and then Rehoboam. But yet Rehoboam acting crazy. And then so they go get Jeroboam. Jeroboam has this great idea of putting a golden calf in the northern and southern Israel. Like, where have we seen that didn't work before? And, and when they came out of Egypt. It's like, guys, this is why this is so important. Yahweh makes this stuff so easy for us. Because we keep this over and over again. I mean, of all things, you would have thought that Jeroboam would have picked another animal. Not a golden calf. And not only one, he picks two. North, and just to make sure everybody's covered, he puts one in the north, he puts one in Minnesota, and one in Mississippi. You know, I'm like, what in the world is this guy thinking? Do you not read the scriptures? Or who's advising you? I don't know. It's just, you can't make this up. But I'm telling you, the Father knows what he's doing. There's a timetable. We need to be in tune with this timetable. Amen. Team.